Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Working Man's Pod. This is Alex. I am going to record a quick solo episode today. On Saturday of this past weekend, March 26th, I had the fine fortune of going to see Bob Weir with his current touring group, the Wolf Brothers, with the Wolf Pack, which is a five-piece string and horn supplement to his band at the Durham Performing Arts Center here in my adopted hometown of Durham, North Carolina. And I figured it was honestly such a good time, such a good show that it was worth, you know, a quick bonus episode to to talk about it. So Dave is not joining me for this one today. I'm going to take it solo. And because there's no Dave, it's not a real, you know, official Working Man's Pod episode. I think we should just get right into the show. So, Bob Weir and the Wolf Bros live in Durham, North Carolina, March 26th, 2022. This was the third straight night that he had performed um, during this run of shows. This was only the second time during this run that he had performed three nights in a row. Bob and the Wolf Bros began this tour, um, if you would consider this part of it, with two nights at the Sweetwater Music Hall um, in Bob's hometown, Mill Valley, California. Bob is a co-owner of what I've heard is an excellent venue. And so they played two nights at the end of February um, at the Sweetwater Music Hall, and then they got on the road um, in earnest on March 9th with a show at the Ryman Auditorium in Nashville. They played Nashville, Memphis, back to Nashville. Um, for a smaller show at Third Man Records, which is owned by Jack White. Then out to Wichita, Kansas, Kansas City, Missouri, and then a run in the upper Midwest in Milwaukee, and then Chicago, and then Indiana, Ohio, and then this little three-night run, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday of this past weekend, as I'm recording it, he played one show in Asheville, North Carolina, which is the western part of the state, in the mountains for those of you who are unfamiliar then across the border into chattanooga tennessee and then back into the middle of north carolina to play at the durham performing arts center this is i believe the first tour that bob and the wolf bros have done with the wolf pack as an addition to the band so bob weir and the wolf bros is a band that bob formed in 2018 Initially, the group was a trio with Bob on guitar and vocals, Don Was on upright bass, and Jay Lane, who Bob has performed with for a long time, um, since the Rat Dog days in the 90s, um, on drums. If you were following the Dead & Company tour of last year, you'd remember that Jay Lane filled in for Billy a few nights on that tour, and um, he's a fine drummer, so... During the fall of 2018, the band, like Bobby and the Wolf Bros, they toured um, again in the spring of 2019 and early 2020. Um, But then the pandemic hit and um, they had to take a step back. During the early days of the pandemic in um, late 2000 and early 2021, Bobby and the Wolf Bros did a lot of live shows on, on stream from TRI Studios, Bob's studio in California and those shows they added Jeff Kimenti on keys 
who is many of you know has been performing with Bobby for a very long time recently and currently as the keyboardist for Dead and Company and Greg Lice I believe is his name L-E-I-S-Z I know is how you spell it um, on pedal steel guitar so they began to be incorporated um, into the band at that point and then they added in a new horn and string section that Bob and the band dubbed the Wolfpack, and that is Brian Switzer on trumpet, Adam Theus on trombone, Sheldon Brown on sax, um, also sometimes clarinet and flute, Mads Tolling on violin, and Alex Kelly on the cello. So in last summer, 2021, the larger group, um, Bobby Weir and the Wolf Bros, uh, with the Wolfpack, played a bunch of shows in Colorado and California before Dead and Company took on their tour. And some of those shows from co- the Colorado run have now been released as an LP. Uh, they just came out last month. So they've really kind of become their own little thing, um, which is really cool. It's to my ear, I've listened to, you know, live shows from Bob's different side projects over the years. And I think that the Wolf Bros experience holds up pretty well to to the others they sound good they do their own unique thing and i know a lot of people will say that they play too slowly sometimes you're probably right um if you listen to some of their songs like shakedown street stands out as one they're they're notably slower than the way that the dead performed them but you know that's something that bob i think he's talked about is he something that he likes to do with their music now to give them more space so it's a it's a mindful purposeful thing that he's doing to do that which you know it would have to be to be playing as slowly as they do on this night and on this tour they really have been picking up the tempo being you know playing pretty pretty peppy uh versions of these songs i think that the addition of jeff on the keys has probably helped that um it was a more uh slow pace when it was just the trio So anyway, as I said, Bob began the tour on March 9th, um, really getting on the road outside of the Sweetwater Music Hall and and starting this tour. And now, as as I say this, there are only a few shows left of this um, Bob and the Wolf Bros tour 2022. Afterward, they have a few nights that they're going to be playing at Radio City Music Hall to celebrate the 50th anniversary of Bob's Ace album. And then in October, there are some rescheduled shows with the National Symphony Orchestra, I believe, in D.C., which should be really interesting to hear how the Grateful Dead's music sounds with a symphony orchestra um, as the backing band. So in any case, let's talk about um, let's talk about the venue, the Durham Performing Arts Center, also often called DPAC, D-P-A-C. DPAC opened in 2008, and it was the largest performing arts center in the Carolinas at that time, and I believe it still is. It hosts so many shows every year, really of all of all different types. Um, and it's for people who live in this area, and myself included, it's just a, a gem of a, of a building, of a venue for us to have. The capacity is about 2,700 people. It's a three, three-tiered theater. So you have the you know, main floor, a, a balcony, and then a third deck. And um, it's just a great venue. Like I said, they do all sorts of things there. My wife and I have seen a bunch of comedy shows. We saw John Mulaney there, which was really, really wonderful. Tom Segura, another great comedian. The night before this Bob Weir show, uh, Nate Bargatze was performing there, and I met some really great dudes. 
uh, at a pizza joint in town right beforehand, one of whom had seen uh, Mr. Bargazzi at Deepak the, the night before. But they also have, um, when Broadway acts tour the country, they will hit Deepak. Uh, so another show that was happening at, at the Performing Arts Center this month was Hamilton. Um, next month we have Oklahoma coming to town and, you know, all sorts of things. They get pretty good, uh, uh, musical acts as well. I know BB King opened the theater, um, on its first night. Um, it had one of the stops on, um, Joan Baez's final tour and Bob Dylan has performed here. Bob Weir has performed there a number of times. Uh, we saw Gary Clark Jr. Who's an absolute shredder on the guitar there a few years ago. And that was really great. So a lot of cool acts come through Deepak. It's a great place, really kind of a cozy venue, um, a great place to see a show. And, and so I knew that it would be a good venue to see Bob. And I was excited to um, have my dad visiting uh, for the show. He had not seen a dead show since he saw the dead in 1986 at the Hartford Civic Center. So it had been uh, probably overdue. Um, my dad, not a deadhead, but he it's funny when we were leaving the show, he was like, this makes me want to get like way deeper into the dead. Like I want to know all the songs. I want to go see him again. And I want to like be the one who's recognizing all the songs, but I don't know how I can do that unless I've really like listened to everything. And I was like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's pretty accurate. Um, so anyway, yeah, the, the company was good. It was with my dad. Uh, we had really good seats. Um, for the show on the second level, but right in the front row so that we could really get a great view of of everything. Uh, my overall thoughts are it was just a, a great show. If you have the opportunity to go see Bob Weir and the Wolf Bros, I would really encourage you, again, if you have the opportunity to do it, to to do it. I mean, it, it was a great time. And um, the atmosphere... Deepak is in the middle of downtown Durham. So there is, you know, Durham is a big city. You know, the population is almost 300,000 and downtown is a big area. There's not a lot of space around the venue for people to set up and do any vending. But there were still people walking around, you know, selling tie-dye shirts and different cool stickers and and stuff like that outside the venue, you know, a lot of people needing a miracle out there. Everyone was just in a really good mood. I think people were just happy to be there, happy to, I mean, I, we're still kind of in that afterglow of the pandemic lockdown where none of us could see live music, I think. So that helped. People were, were pretty excited about just being out. But in addition to that, you know, it's always cool to be in a town where there's a dead show that night and you see everyone out wearing their dead shirts and hats, um, not just, you know, around showtime, but Earlier in the day, you know, we were walking around at one of the gardens in Durham that afternoon and saw someone wearing a, a steely shirt and, you know, stopped and had a little convo. You know, what do you think they're going to open with, etc. So great, great vibe um, in town during the day leading up to the show. The showtime was at 730. The band came out just a few minutes after, right around 745. And uh, I think... Let's get into the show.
so the band hit the stage and at the beginning of the show everyone was out there the whole wolf pack wolf bros bobby the whole gang and they opened with the music never stopped which is a great show opener they play this song really really well and it's just a good way to you know get the people up and dancing excited uh there's the good sing-along part uh which is you know great for everyone who's in the building it was just just a great way to start the show um the band was kind of easing into it a little bit Um, i think it took them a little while to kind of find their footing i noticed during that song a lot um jeff on the keys was pointing over at the 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 stage right and telling them to turn up his his volume in his in-ears his in-ear monitors so i'm not sure how well he could hear everyone else during it and his part was pretty pretty standard uh during that song but it was a good version and then they went from that right into easy answers which is a rob wasserman cover that bob has played um for a long time including with dead and company they, they played it a, a good deal last summer actually so a song that i know but i'm not deeply familiar with to be honest um i actually turned to my dad like a minute in and was like i don't think i know this song and then they got into the chorus and i was like oh okay i do know this the highlight of this segment of the show though was that they dipped right back into a music never stopped reprise and it was just smooth as silk it, it fits so naturally, and I am not super familiar with versions of that, um, meaning reprised Music Never Stopped segments. So that really kind of caught me off guard and s- surprised me in a great way. was one of the highlights of the first set genuinely um it was really really great so from easy answers like i said music never stopped easy answers back to music never stopped it's the intro song suite and um it was just great so after that the wolf pack the, the horns and strings left the stage and it was just bob and the wolf bros for the next couple songs Um, The third song that Bob played was When I Paint My Masterpiece. So when I uh, got my dad uh, the ticket to this show for Christmas, the first thing that I sent him was the Bob Weir and the Wolf Bros Tiny Desk Concert for NPR. I thought it would be kind of a good intro. It's just a couple songs, and I knew that he would at least know Ripple of the the four songs that he played, which are on that one, Birdsong, Ripple, only a river and when I paint my masterpiece and all day he was like I just want to hear him play one of those four that would be awesome and I agreed I mean they play all four of those songs really really well so when he went into when I paint my masterpiece with the with the wolf bros and of course with um Greg and Jeff on pedal steel and keys as I believe they're now you know official parts of the band we were both just so happy it was a great version you know, Bob's voice sounded really good on it. And that's a song that 
bodes really well for some nice uh, keyboard and pedal steel brakes. Um, and they did a really good job of kind of stepping out and doing some some tight but really good solos that suited the song really well. So that was next. And then from there, they went into Big River. Just a nice kind of mid-tempo version, I would say, of um, Big River. But it was good. You know, it kind of kept the momentum going, I would say. When I Pay My Masterpieces, it's kind of a grand song, especially the lyrics, the lyrical content of it. Um, but the pace that they played it at, it wasn't exactly like swooning. It was, it had some some pace to it. So then Big River kept that up, which was which was good. Um, again, as I said, uh, a lot of people don't like the tempo that this band plays with a lot of the time, and so I didn't feel that they were bringing it down for either of those. So after they finished Big River, everyone left the stage except for Bob, and it was just him and an acoustic guitar. If you look at the picture that Bob posted of the set list, this is just listed as Bob Solo. This is something he's been doing a lot on this tour, which I think is really cool. Um, there, two, I think three shows before this, he opened with an acoustic Dark Star, which was pretty badass. And it's cool to just see him out there, you know, working on it, you know, playing the acoustic guitar, no accompaniment. It sounded great. So Bob with the acoustic guitar, he starts by saying, here's a song I've been working on lately. Let's try it out, basically. And it's listed on the set list as she knows what I'm thinking. He performed one verse of it and said, I don't really remember any of the other verses right now. And the crowd went crazy. And uh, the one verse, though, it sounded good. If nothing else, it's, it's inspiring that he's still working on new songs at this age. You know, there are hundreds and hundreds of songs that he could pull from in his repertoire of the songs that he's played with either the Grateful Dead or in the years since. And um, so I think it's commendable that he's still trying it out out in front of us on the road. The next one, which he played also acoustically, was um, KC Moan, which is apparently a Memphis Jug Band cover. Um, I had actually never heard this song before, and it had just Jug Band vibes. I mean, it's pretty accurate. Uh, it Good song, not my favorite of the night. It sounded good, just, again, not my favorite of the set. From KC Moan, he went into Corina, a late period Grateful Dead song introduced in 1992 and played by the Grateful Dead 77 times between 92 and 95. They really never took a very long break with it either. After they introduced it in 92, the longest number of shows in between was eight for the rest of their run. So it was a song that they were really enjoying uh, performing by the end of their touring career. And I can see why. It sounds really good. It's got a like nice vocal, a nice opportunity for Bob to kind of flex his his stuff vocally. And um, it's, it, I mean, it, it did sound really good. I liked it quite a bit. And it was not a song that I was super familiar with because I have not, I'll admit, listened to a ton of 92 to 95 Dead. And so it it was just, I would call it a pleasant surprise. So speaking of um, songs that the dead didn't play a ton, the next song and the way that they ended set one was with a lost sailor into Saint of Circumstance. 
So this was a pairing. Um, Bob first introduced this song as a Grateful Dead song in 1979. The band played it throughout 79, 80, 81, 82, quite a bit throughout that little period. And then in 83, it kind of started to tail off. They played it a few more times. And after 86, they retired both songs, Lost Sailor and Saint of Circumstance, for good. They have come back now into the fold, both with the Wolf Bros and also with Dead and & Company. And I'm really glad that they have because it's a nice little suite of songs. They fit so naturally with each other, uh, not just the way like musically, but lyrically, they, they really do. And it was a cool way to end the set. I'd never heard those songs live. And the lights that they had going during them were really cool. Lots of blues and greens to kind of fit the ocean theme, the, the you know, a tale of a sailor. Bob sounded really good on Lost Sailor, which, you know, kind of is a song. Same with Karina, where you have to strain a little bit um, to hit the high parts, but he did a great job. So that was the end of set one. Um, for me, the highlight was the very beginning. Music never stopped. Easy answers. Music never stopped. But a close, close second was when I paid my masterpiece. It was a great performance. Um, and I thought that it was kind of, it, it fit it nicely uh, to have the wolf pack leave the stage for that. And with, on the other side, Lost Sailor and Saint of Circumstance, the horns were so great on that song. It was such a welcomed addition. Um, it made those songs feel even more big in a really cool way. So the band took a decently long set list, or excuse me, set break, uh, 40 minutes, just about. It was funny. My dad said during the set break, we haven't gotten a big Grateful Dead hit yet. I bet we're going to get one in the second set. I was like, yeah, maybe. And, uh, then they opened with friend of the devil. So there you go. A song that deadheads and you know, non-deadheads alike really like. Um, uh, I have a complicated relationship with this song. I've talked about it on this show before that I really love the album version, but post-hiatus, when they started to slow down the arrangement, I didn't, I've never been as crazy about that slower-paced Friend of the Devil. This one had a good pace to it. I think that the addition of... um, of Greg on pedal steel does a lot for this song live. And so it was really cool to hear it with the pedal steel. And he, he did amazingly on this song. He had a great solo and his playing throughout was just tremendous. And so I actually thought that this was a highlight of the show was um, friend of the devil. From there, they went into um, Man Smart, Woman Smarter, uh, a Harry Belafonte cover. Good version, really, you know, energetic pace uh, to it. Just kind of a good way to 
take the energy even higher after friend of the devil after this they brought the energy down a little bit with looks like rain it can be hit or miss for me especially when the versions where bob is really hamming it up at the end with the can't stand the rain (laughs) segment um but i liked this version and the audience loved this song i think that the reaction to this song was second maybe only to friend of the devil and a song that came later on as far as people just like going crazy for it. So maybe I need to reevaluate my stance on looks like rain because if the audience reaction is any indicator, this, this is a, this is maybe a top grateful dead song or a top Bob song in the eyes of many. And you know, I, I mean, I do get it. He performed the hell out of this song. It it sounded great live. Yeah. So that was kind of a a cool one to hear. And then um, from there they went into really the, the meat of the second set, the jammiest, spaciest part, really. Eyes of the World into What's Going On, the Marvin Gaye cover, back into Eyes of the World. They jammed the hell out of this. The Eyes of the World, the first segment, it was it was great. And one of the things that made it great was they, after the first verse, they took, they let everyone in the Wolfpack take turns just ripping off solos. So in order um, on the bandstand from the front of the stage to the back, you had the saxophonist, trumpet, trombone, violin, cello. And I think three or four, it was actually between three and four um, times, they just took turns soloing for, you know, a few bars of music. And so it would be like the saxophonist would, go into something and then the the trumpet player would come in for the last couple notes at the end of the bar and then take on his solo and then into the uh, trombone. I mean, you get it, but it was great. It really kind of let all of them shine and they all did interesting and different things with their, with their parts and just brought the energy of a song that I already think is, has a lot of energy eyes of the world to it, to a different place altogether truly uh, an extremely memorable eyes of the world i kept thinking during it about uh the eyes of the world with branford marsalis that they played um in the early 90s that appears on the wake up to find out album you know obviously that album named after a lyric in eyes of the world that should maybe indicate just how great that that version of eyes is and this was just also tremendous uh, what's going on was really interesting in the middle too. Uh, I had never heard Bob do that and I had been following the set lists of this tour, but not closely enough to realize that he had been sandwiching what's going on in the middle of eyes of the world. So I didn't see it coming at all. see it coming at all and it it really just caught me off guard and i thought it was great this is the fourth time that he's played eyes of the world on this tour and he has not interspersed um what's going on all four times but this is at least the second and um it sounded really really good 
it's cool. There's a, there's the line about, um, that anti-war line and that got a huge applause given what's going on in the Ukraine, uh, on, in the current day. And then right back into eyes of the world finished really strong, more of, um, more space for the wolf pack to shine. Uh, especially the cellist, he was really killing it and just super into it. You know, even when he wasn't playing, he was kind of dancing up there. It looked like he was having a great time. So that was awesome. Big jam suite. And then they went into all along the watchtower, which was a super long jammed out version that at multiple points during this song, Jeff Comenti was playing simultaneously with his left arm on his piano and with his right arm on his organ. I have never seen such a thing. And I, I took a video of it because I was so blown away and posted it on our Twitter page at working man's pod. So that's there if you want to go check it out, but it just, again, blew me away. I realize I've already gone over the amount of time I said this was going to take. So I'm trying to get through this pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, that's, that's one thing that's worth calling out. Uh, he really just killed it on that song from there. They went into Stella blue, which was a, good version and a nice, you know, kind of typical ballad slot, uh, after a very, very spacey jammy end to all along the watchtower. I would say that if this were going to be like an official CD, the end part, like the last few minutes were so divergent from all along the watchtower that it could just be called jam. Um, it, it went way out there, but then from there into, uh, Stella blue, song that I love. It's uh, my wife's favorite Grateful Dead song. Yeah, just a really nice version. Bob's voice sounded great on it. And his voice, now that it's a little bit gruffer at his age, it it kind of, it just kind of works for this song. In the same way that if you hear versions of this song from even the late 90s that Jerry performs, it, it just, to me, it sounds better as he got older. Um, I don't know. I don't know why. just, there's some authenticity, um, to that for me. And then from Stella blue, I turned to my dad during this and said, I bet there's one more song than the encore. And as Stella blue was reaching what I, what felt like it was going to be the end of the song, they started picking up the energy in a weird way because Stella blue, often ends on a, you know, kind of a lull, a slower note. Um, not tonight. They ended it at, at a pretty good pace, and I could see Bob turning to the band and counting them into something else while the jam was still going on. And then that very familiar opening lick to One More Saturday Night came in. One More Saturday Night, I had been of the mind that it's kind of rote on a Saturday night that he's going to play one more Saturday night, either at the end of set two or as the encore. That's kind of boring to me. It's like everyone in the room knows that it's going to be that. And so it's kind of, you don't have that, you know, that energy that you get at a dead show where it's like, what song is going to be next? I have no idea. Whereas when, if they don't play it, I guess as the last song of set two, it's like, well, there's no drama. I know exactly what the encore is going to be. It's going to be one more Saturday night. Cause it's Saturday. This made me question everything. Um, I knew it was coming eventually, but I didn't know it was coming then. And <laughs> man, they performed the absolute hell out of this song. Super high energy, super good tempo. Um, just an absolute rock inversion. 
Bob really got up. Uh, his, he got all the way up into that high range uh, during like the screaming part of One More Saturday Night. And they kind of, they did this a few times during this show. Uh, they did it during um, Women Are, during Men Smart, Women Smarter. Um, and then during this song where they kind of had like a false ending and everyone started applaud, uh, applauding and then they did another, hey, another Saturday night, like that that breakdown one last time um, before they, they left the stage as, you know, it was the end of set two. But truly memorable moment during the show was the One More Saturday Night. It was excellent. And, um, you know, I really loved it. It's something, it's a, a memory that I'll think back on for a long time. I wish, I hope that uh, there was a taper in the audience this night or that they'll release a soundboard eventually because I'd love to go back and listen to it again. So then the band left the stage for just a brief moment, obviously standing applause, everyone's going crazy. And then they came back for an encore. Uh, before the encore, Jay Lane, the drummer, as I said, who, I, you know, I haven't really mentioned him or Don was, um, but both were really good. Uh, Jay is a really good drummer and his kit for this tour is kind of interesting um, he has two splash cymbals, which are very, very small cymbals at the top of his drum set. And he was really using them in an interesting way to have these kind of cool but small crashes on the cymbals. And he'd do it with both hands a lot. And it just sounded excellent. I think that they, you know, they're going for maybe a quieter sound on stage. I've heard them say that. I've heard Bob say that before. Um, is, you know, how quiet can we make it on the stage so that we can really hear each other? And so maybe the splash symbols help with that rather than having a full, full crash symbol, which he also had Don was on the stand up bass. Same thing. He's, he is much more sparse with his bass playing than other Grateful Dead drummer or bassists, excuse me, but he does a really good job. And, you know, it's one of those things where, especially with a violinist, cellist, three horns, pedal steel, keys, drums and Bob on the guitar I feel like his bass sound could kind of get lost in the shuffle sometimes but I was trying to make a concerted effort to really listen for it and when I did it you know it was very just stable steady in the background so really you know I enjoyed everyone's playing during the show Bob on the guitar as well you know he didn't have any like super ripping solos but it's never really kind of it's never really been his mo anyway just doing interesting stuff on the rhythm and just playing really well. You know, the, the solo acoustic section, as I said, was good. He, you know, was really working at it. And I, that's something that my dad pointed out after the show. He was like, I just can't believe that at his age, he is like working his ass off like that on the guitar. Like he is just putting so much effort and energy in every song. And it is just like, it just makes you love it so much more seeing seeing him get up there and and get after it like that anyway uh jay lane as i said the drummer at the beginning of the encore jay gets onto the stage and says that he wants to dedicate the show to taylor hawkins the drummer of the foo fighters who recently passed away i believe unexpectedly at a, at a pretty young age and so jay you know had a nice tribute to him and said that uh, he really liked his work and that um, he feels for him and his family is thinking of them. So that was nice. And as an extremely fitting tribute, the band then played Broke Down Palace, which is a gorgeous, gorgeous song. 
super fitting as a as a tribute to someone that someone who's who's been lost so that was it that was the show really great one and again um, I would just say if you are debating ah, maybe maybe I should go maybe I shouldn't go let's be honest no uh, additional shows are guaranteed with these guys whether it's with Bob whether it's dead and company you know planet drum Billy and the kids Phil and friends these guys aren't going to live forever and it's really cool to get to go see any of them I think uh, perform live you know the I get I get that for some people who saw the dead play a hundred times or more it might not be as thrilling to go see Bob and all these other guys doing (laughs) doing these songs at a, a different pace than you're used to in a totally different setting than when you were, what you were used to seeing the dead and especially by the end of their touring career. But again, I do think that it's worth it. The show, I had a great time. I know my dad did. And I think that most of the audience did the, the smiles on people's faces as we were leaving. It was pretty much unanimous. There wasn't anyone who seemed like they were having a bad time. Yeah. I just, again, I, I think it's highly worth it. Something that I will also say, Jeff Kimenti is an unbelievable pianist. I mean, I think that he his chops are as good, if not better, than any keyboardist the dead ever had. He's that good. I mean, the guy is just amazing. And so, if nothing else, you know, <laughs> maybe go and pay attention to what he's doing. Um, if if you you know want to hear what I'm talking about. Check out some of the Dead & Co. shows from last summer where he and John Mayer had some really great moments of interplay between the keys and the and John's guitar. Jeff is just a phenomenal, phenomenal musician, and uh, I was so happy to get to see him again uh, in addition to, of course, uh, seeing Bob in person. So that's kind of the uh, the breakdown of the show. Um, you know, again, I, I only saw it and heard it once. I haven't heard any soundboard sense so i'm just going off memory of hearing it the one time but it was a really wonderful show so that's going to do it for this bonus episode i went longer than i said i would but uh, sorry uh <laughs> so our next episode is going to come out next week it is the first show of the dead's europe 72 tour i'll say in advance dave had some mic problems um so uh, bear with us it's only a one episode thing by the next episode we're going to be back on track All right, everyone, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you next Tuesday. That's it. That's it. You got it.